sharpen your pencils and get your notebooks out. It's time for the Star Seminar. And now, here are your hosts, Rabble Rouser and Danny Phantom. Welcome, diligent students of Cowboys football, to another session of the Star Seminar. This, as always, is a team talk course. I am joined by my colleague, the internationally renowned scholar of Cowboys football, Dr. Danny Phantom, and author of the recent book, Eli Manning, Jim Plunkett with a Talented Brother. I am Dr. Rabble Rouser, and uh, I would like you to go to Amazon and get my most recent publication, the world's thinnest coffee table book, Attractive Eagles fans and their dogs. How are you today, sir? It's great to be on with you again. I am fantastic, fellow author. Uh, no, I'm, I'm, I'm in a great mood. I actually got a lot of rest last night because I, I fell asleep early. And, and the reason I did this, and I, I'm kind of disappointed in myself, but um, I was just, I was wanting to watch TV and I was using my remote and I had my little voice activated and I was like trying to go to a show and my battery was low enough on it to where it was like not good enough, not strong enough for the voice activation to work. So I basically decided, no, it's just too much trouble for me to be pushing all these buttons. And I just decided I'm just <laughs> going to go to bed. And I just like, you know what? I, I am so spoiled. And it's like on, on certain things that, of technology these days to where it's like, what is, what is, what has life become for me? But I wanted to ask you, Rabs, is there like anything, you know, that do you use or you're just absolutely swear to that you definitely take advantage of in, in this world of a great technology? I mean, everything like, like, you know, when you told me you wanted to, to sort of chat about the, about technology a little bit, I was like, how can I narrow this down? I'm so technology dependent. I love technology. I mean, I'm not one of those guys who always invested in like state of the art, you know, audio equipment or any of that kind you of stuff. You don't I'm get the next been... gadget or you're not a gadget no, guy? No, no, I'm not. I'm not a real gadget guy, but the few gadgets I have, I, I get again and again. Like I'm on like my third or fourth MacBook right now. I'm on my third or fourth iPhone right now, you know, those kind of things. And I'm on my phone all the time when I get like my usage totals or, you know, whatever my screen time from, from Apple, it's, it's shocking how many hours a week or how many hours a day I'm on, I'm on my phone, or at least it's on and present. Mm -hmm. And so, um, you know, I mean, it strikes me all the time. And, I, and my wife and I laugh about this all the time. And you're the same age as we are. So you, you're there. Like, I, I'm, my question is always, how did we do things when we were younger? And I'll give you one example. I was, I used to coach baseball. and I coached, I coached a, a co-ed softball team for several years and things like that. And it used to be that if I wanted to schedule practice, I had to like, t I had like the list of everybody's phone numbers taped next to my phone. And I would go down the list of like the 18 people who were on the team and call each of them to say, we're going to, we want to practice this time. Can we, can you practice to get their confirmation? And then, and then some of them I'd get a hold of, but some of them I couldn't. And I, and then they'd, they'd call me back and I'd have to be there. And if I wasn't there, they'd leave a message. I mean, it took forever. You had to call way in advance, you know, and now you just drop a quick email or you just, you know, you just like, yeah. You know, do something on Slack. I, I mean, it, it's everything is so much easier. And uh, as a result, like I'm a much weaker person. Like I used to, I used to be a diligent person because there were so many things to do just to organize my life in, a, in the most basic way. And um, I'm, I, I, my life is still organized in the most basic way, but all it's done is just, it's just buying me a bunch of time to be slothful and eat snacks. Yeah, no, we will, we will grow old and tell our, you know, just tell all the younglings out there about the times that we had to wake, 
wait till the next day to open up the newspaper to find out who <laughs> won the game. <laughs> that's right. That's right. That's right. But that's exactly it. Yeah. Oh, but I'll tell you what, what people do not have to wait for um, is some position breakdown. Rabs, Ooh, what's going indeed. on for today? Well, as you know, we're continuing our, our position breakdown series. Last uh, week, we talked about quarterbacks and running backs. And, and then this week, we're turning to the wide receivers and tight ends before looking at the offensive line next week and completing the offensive side of our analysis. So um, I will be leading uh, a series of questions about wide receivers, and then I'll hand it over to you to talk about tight ends. But before we do, I'd like to hear what you have to say about the best tight end and and or wide receiver numbers and so to me there's there's two questions here one is do you prefer when all those numbers are in the 80s or how do you feel about you know other numbers in the teens and by extension how do you feel about other odd numbers and then from the numbers in the 80s do you have particular favorites where you're like that's a great number for a wide receiver and that's a great number for a tight end and i'm not saying because a cowboy's great wore it but like that's just the kind of number that a wide receiver should be wearing. Oh, it's great questions. Um, first off, I'll say this. As much as I like to say that I'm, you know, open to change, I'm still old school. And I like, there's just, the, the new number rules just, just bother me. I mean, I just, I'm not, I don't like it at all. I don't like seeing single digits on, on the receivers and stuff. So to me, I got, I will say this. I did get used to, you know, like the, the receivers in the teens, I don't have a problem with that, but I like it when it was more of kind of like a treat number, not like everybody's doing it sort of thing. So I'm old school. I like the numbers in the 80s. Same is true for tight ends. Like it in the 80s. Uh, even I'm not even a fan of the 40-somethings and stuff because to me, I'm like, that's a fullback. Um, but so that's kind of where I'm at. But I, I, you know, I don't I don't care for the 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 new rules with this, the, all these weird numbers and stuff. And But I will say this. To me, I feel like I don't have a particular favorite number, like like a receiver number. To me, I just feel like the player kind of makes it, and mm-hmm. and so I, like eighty three will look great on certain players, and I love eighty four on certain players. You know, eighty six look great on Butch Johnson, and of course the eighty eight. You know, we got, but there's just it's kind of depends on who's wearing it. You know, like I love eighty one sometimes if it's the, you know, the, you can just tell when certain guys are the right fit. So I will say, no no particular preference in that regard you do what about you it's funny that the first three numbers you mentioned are numbers that are, are, are on my least favorite list i think the worst number in the 80s is probably 86 i don't like 86 i know butch johnson wore it and he, you know that that's great but i don't particularly like 86 you know so when so, you know i i then i like the numbers at the very beginning and the very end of the of the sequence so i like 80 and 81 these are great numbers for wide receivers especially speedy wide receivers i like a speedy wide receiver than an 80 or an 81 85 it's right in the middle it feels like a good solid number maybe for a smaller receiver and then and then i i, I think 88 and 89 are great and 89 because it's the highest of those numbers just feels good for a tight end also yeah you know it just feels like a tight end with 89 big old dudes can inline wide block and you know uh run a run a mean hook pattern and catch a first down I, i'm all for it yeah, no, totally agree there. It's it's funny. I I noticed that like when you say the when you said like eighty five, you know, I go to a certain player, and of course, it happens to be a speedy guy. So I, I, again, I think like we start to just associate with certain players to kind of fit those numbers. And uh, so no, I uh, I agree, Rabs. I uh, I think that we we are very similar in the way we we're old school till the till the end, my friend. 
But speaking of new school or not old school, uh, let's uh, let's transition and, and and talk about some of the young pups we have in our wide receiver and tight end rooms. So before we get into our discussion of the wide receivers, as is our usual practice, uh, we're going to start with a couple little interesting statistical nuggets, factual tidbits, etc. I've got a couple for you here. Oh, my the first one. First one is these are wide receiver questions. The first one is of all the wide receivers in Cowboys history who have played three or more seasons for the Cowboys. They could have played for another team, but at least three seasons for the Cowboys. Who has the highest yards per target? Yards per target. So that means they're efficient, but they're also not efficient in catching easy passes, right? So they're efficient, but they're doing some downfield work. Yeah. So the, the, the player that jumps out at me is Alvin Harper. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So that's um. He's a great guess. You know what? I'm trying to think of like Laurent Robinson, how he did that yeah. one year. But he, yeah, he was he's up at the top of the list. The problem was he wasn't there for three years. He was oh, there for one year. Three years. That's right. Three years. Um. No, he was de- great guess though because he was. I mean, he had an incredible yards per target the year he was here. Man, um, I wonder if T. Willie. You know what? I th- T. Willie might have some good. He made some big plays. <sighs> made some big plays. Uh, Harper would be so. Harper's not. It's not the answer I know. So that would have been my top choice. And I'm probably, I'm gonna go with, with Terrence Williams would be my next best guess. He's a great guess. He's actually third. Although there are three guys tied for second, so he's technically fifth. Um, so it, it's the three guys who are tied for second are is uh is Terry Glenn. And he's tied uh, with Amari Cooper and Patrick Creighton. So they both, that all three of those guys average 9.1 yards per target, just ahead of Terrence Williams at 9.0 yards per target. So all all pretty efficient. I think it speaks a lot to the efficiency of of uh, the current NFL passing game. You know, uh, you know, quarterbacks' um, completion percentages are much higher now than they used to be. I think that uh, offensive coordinators are better at screaming guys open. So. Guys like Alvin Harper, they and Troy Aikman had a lower completion percentage. He was he had more errant passes. He had more, I think, contested passes. I think we forget that. But the winner, by a sizable margin, strangely enough, is Bryce Butler. Oh, that's a good one. Nine point seven yards per target in in his three years in Dallas. I would have totally got it on a multiple choice. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, I thought there were a couple of really interesting little factoids. Um, that have almost no bearing on our current group. Uh, but so let's take, let's, before we get into this discussion, I start asking you some questions. Let's just review who we're, who we're talking about, who's on our list. So I think it's pretty clear going into the year who the three star starters will be. And let, let's, let's assume that they're going to you know start 11 personnel or at least play 11 and 11 personnel a lot. And I think that that actually they probably will. Um, and so the starters across the board would be lamb cooks and Gallup, unless something weird happens. And then I think even the next layer sort of middle class in a way is pretty clear too. Although any of these guys could conceivably not make the roster because there's, I think there's some interesting guys who are part of the, you know, the sort of incoming free agent class who are really interesting that we've talked about in previous podcasts. Mm-hmm. So then we have, of course, um, Turpin, Jalen Tolbert and Simi Fahoku are all there as returning guys who are probably the next up. But then there's this really interesting group of guys that, I mean, this is going to be the thing to watch in training camp for me anyway. And um, and that includes Dontario Drummond, Daniel Houston, of course, 
you know, so as a starter last year in week one, uh, Jalen Brooks, who they just brought on, Jalen Marino Cropper, who is, I think we identified as one of our favorite um, potential UDFA receivers and a guy maybe most likely to make a make a little bit of a bang. Uh, David Durden, Tyron Johnson, and Jose Barton. So some really interesting cats. We, we, we've talked about them, as I said earlier, but, um, you know, I think there's, there's certainly, uh, I would be surprised if any of these three starters are unseated, but I think there's some definite possibilities for movement from the middle class and the, and the, the sort of new up and coming dude. So with all that in mind, um, first question I have for you about the uh, wide receiver room right now is, of all those guys we've just identified, who's the likeliest breakout player? You're speaking of the the, un, the unsungs, basically. Well, I mean, you could say you could say that any of those guys could be a breakout. I mean, I, you know, it could be anybody, really. But who's the who's the the likeliest of those guys to really have a breakout? Oh, oh, it's really tough. I mean, I think like I group Jalen Tolbert and uh, Simi Fihoko in the same category. I know that they're drafted stock says otherwise um mm-hmm. you know we and both this year and last year we heard positive things about both of them um so to me it's like they're almost like the same i, I mean i wouldn't put stock into one versus the other uh and i don't know i just don't know i i think it's really difficult i you know and then if you look at like uh dennis houston we talk you know i didn't expect him to make the roster last season and and he did, but then like what happened, you know? And of course, you mentioned uh, uh, Jalen Moreno Cropper, who we both like, uh, but we also both understand that we like guys like this every year. So it's, you know, what does that even mean? Um, but having said all that, I feel like I have to trust, uh, or I'm going to trust, what the Cowboys saw in Jalen Tolbert, and I feel mm-hmm. like. There's going to be some um, corners turned, you know, m- mentally for him to where he's able to see the field and do the things. Because I mean, his college tape is really good. I mean, I thought he was, I thought he was going to be like Michael Gallupish as far as like what what you saw, what he could do. Um, of course, and then if it would, couldn't have been any um, more opposite. But I still believe that he could be the guy. Uh, the Cowboys thought so that they. They drafted him uh, high because of it, so I'm gonna go. I'm gonna put my chips on uh, Tolbert. But I will say, if it, if it turned out to be Fihoko and Tolbert was released, wouldn't surprise me at all. But I'm still gonna lean. I'm gonna I'm gonna play the odds because I'm a numbers guy, and I'm gonna say that our third rounder has a good sophomore season. Honestly, that's the guy I would pick as well, and, and it's not just because of all the reports that are coming out of camp that are not that are not only suggesting he's the most improved wide receiver, but are suggesting that he's probably the most improved player on the team from last year to to the mini camp phase. And so, I mean that that is that is comforting. Uh, I think that one of the things we forget is how well Fajoko was playing in in um, training camp and early preseason last year before he got injured. Mm-hmm. And I think he was, I think that they were really starting to get excited by him, and they thought he was on the come. I'm not saying he would have had a you know a, a, an 85 catch season or something, but I think that he was poised to kind of grow into a contributor role. So I think that the fact that you isolated those two guys feels right. And I, th- I think the fact that you chose Tolbert feels right as well. So let's go, let's head in the, in the opposite direction then and, and ask 
And this probably doesn't pertain to any of the new the new kids on the block because how could they be the likeliest disappointment? So of all the, of all the people we've named in this crowded wide receiver room, who is who is um, the likeliest guy to disappoint? Yeah. Um, so you say your little caveat again, like you, what what's I don't know I don't know that we can I don't know that it's fair to say any of the sort of like UDFA types. Correct. You know, right. Two or three guys can be likeliest disappointment because I'd I'd be shocked if they make the roster. How could that be? You know, how could they do anything but be a a pleasant surprise? Absolutely. You know I mean? Right. Yeah. Yeah. Totally agree. Um, it, I think it makes it tough because I I, I think CD Lamb is disappointment proof. I think he's there's mm. nothing. There, he mm-hmm. last year he was put under the microscope because he had to be the alpha, and to me he delivered, you know, in in spades. I think he was fantastic, and he's a he's a true uh, star receiver in this league. So, CD Lamb not even looking there. Uh, I think the other two are fair uh, to look at. Obviously, it has a lot to do with how Gallup looks coming, you know, with more time to recover from his injury. I think we've seen enough on tape to know that he's a good player and that it would be, it would be surprising to have him play anywhere to the way he was playing last season. I will say this though, Gallup is not a, a, a great separator. So um, that's, that's something that was real last year and was real before. So, I mean, I wouldn't be completely surprised if he wasn't back to the 1100 yard or, you know, his big season that he had. So, but my choice is actually going to be, Brandon Cooks. I'll tell you what. I'm super excited about Brandon Cooks. I'll, I mean, I'll just tell you right now. I love the trade. Think he's a great player. He brings so much to the table, and just a, a really seasoned veteran that's going to help this offense. So I want to get that out there first. But when we when we get disappointed, it's because we we have these high expectations. And when you have a like you bring in a player like that, for sure that you know you make a trade for. Remember, Houston looks like they just got totally uh, you know reamed with this trade, but. Um, they, you know, they did it for a reason, and so it doesn't necessarily always work out for the other team. And this could be a situation where he's a little older. You know, there's no proven chemistry with Dak Prescott. There are some things that could open the door for this not to work out like we expected. So for that reason, I'm going to choose Brandon Cooks, but I just want to make it clear. Love the guy, and I don't expect it to, to go down that way. I don't want to change a, a single syllable of that. I agree 100%. And if you had chosen somebody else, I would have made the exact same argument about Cook. So I'm not even going to add anything to that other than to say, you took the words right out of my mouth, my friend. That's ex- I feel exactly the same way. I don't expect it, but I think you put it beautifully. You can only be disappointed if you have high expectations to start. Mm-hmm. You know, And I think that, I think that that's, that's the one that you know, we're banking on that a lot. And if he doesn't, if he doesn't pull through, then we will be disappointed. Um, so... I think that I think the room is definitely at least at this stage in the year on paper a stronger room than it was last year. So let's talk about your um let's talk about the confidence rating and then we, then we can talk about what ha- has to happen for the group to perform to that to that level. Okay. So your confidence rating of that room is it bottom of the barrel? Is it low? Is it sort of 50-50? Eh, is it high or is it brimming over? No, it's brimming over. I mean, I'm, I, th- I think that every single level has increased. I think CD is fantastic. I think Michael Gallup's going to be healthier. I think Brandon Cooks is going to, you know, bring 
Mm-hmm. So you got your he's basically he's going to be your number two and that's just a fantastic number two to have and then you throw in these other things like if we get anything out of tolbert if he does turn that corner then look at that i mean they, the cowboys could have an extremely strong f- group of four receivers and then anything beyond that is just gravy and, and like we said last season you know we didn't know who was going to emerge from it but we expected someone to because there were so many choices that still reigns true for all the guys from five to eight, because there could mm-hmm. be you could have your Fihoko or your or your uh, Marino Cropper or who knows you know Dennis Houston. There's there's still choices, and um, so I am super stoked about this Cowboys wide receiver group. So I, I'm brimming over Rabs. Where are you at here? Well, I think I think the things that you've pointed out that that make you excited are things that I feel the same about. And I think again, you rightly pointed out that Cooks is really the thing that changes the whole equation, right? Because then everyone else kind of gets slotted where they belong. And I think that, you know, and he's a really strong number two. He's sort of a one B type receiver. I I agree with your your early assessment that lamb is a, is a certified NFL wide one, a top five kind of stud coming uh, out this year. I think, I think he's going to continue to, to, you know, the arrow is going to continue to go up. And so, um, and I think Gallup is actually going to bounce back too. So I, I, I'm, I don't know that I'm brimming over because I have to see it, but I would say that my confidence is high. I think that, um, and it's high not because, uh, just because they got cooks. I think that that made it that that helped, and I saw how that changed the whole composure of the room. But it's high in many respects because they added cooks and that slotted everybody, but also. Because as we've talked about, Gallup looks bouncier and Tolbert looks to have turned a corner both mentally, but also sort of physically. And I think that, you know, that, that those third and fourth guys are so important. You know, think about in 2021, the kind of contributions that Cedric Wilson made. If you can get that kind of production from a guy like Jalen Tolbert, then it just makes it makes your offense so much harder to defend. Mm-hmm. So I, I, yeah. I, I think that I'm, I'm totally with you. I, I, I'm high and it's not going to take much to get me to the brimming over stage, especially my friend, if we're sitting there in the stands in Oxnard, California in late July, early August, and we see one of these other young cats making plays. Yeah. That's going to, which we will, we will, but we also at the same time have to still, still, you know, cooler. It's going to be in seven on seven when there's no, there's no real pass rush or defense or or anything affecting the, affecting the play, but they're going to make plays. Um, So given all that, given that your confidence is brimming over, what has to happen for the group to perform at that difference-making level? Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity. But giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge, that takes a team. Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate in their child's educational journey, instilling in them a love for learning and a passion for reaching the next level. And Sylvan's insight assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. It's a 360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N 29.com. 
I think that I think you you look at two things here. I think Brandon Cooks could be be your difference maker that could swing in either direction. Um, so obviously you look there because I mean there could be times where where he off games and he could be the Cowboys leading receiver and nobody's gonna blink an eye because I mean Cooks is that good. Um, but at the same time as we we talked about it already, there's 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 areas where things could may not work out there. So Cooks I think is going to be the biggest. Um, I guess influencer of whether we, we go the needle goes this direction or or it goes the other direction, uh, but at the same time too, the Michael Gallup factor too. He I mean he could be one of the best wide receiver threes in the in the league if he, if mm-hmm. we if we get Gallup back. You know he's healthy and also too you know the defenses he's going to be played by the the cornerback number three and so mm-hmm. and they start to use him to his strengths and we have no idea how the Cowboys offense is even going to look. And, with uh, Schottenheimer and McCarthy now uh, running the show. So I do think that um, those two, you know, I, I think that if if they play to their ability and to the high side, that this could just end up being one of the, the top, you know, passing teams in the league. And that's that's fantastic when you compare it with one of the top defenses in the league. So that's, that's a difference maker in, in my book there. I, I agree. I think that – I think that um... – you know, if Gallup and Tur- and um, excuse me and Tolbert uh, are the real deal that you know that the the, the scanty reports from minicamp and, and OTAs uh, suggested that they are in terms of their bounce backs and et cetera, then I think that's that's going to be huge. But the real the real difference is Cooks and his speed, his suddenness, his ability to make defenses play honest. Mm-hmm. I think that um, you know you said Gallup's not a great separator. Lamb doesn't have blazing speed, but if they have that speed. I think that there's there's a way in which you have to respect this room more than you've had to respect the room since, I guess, probably since Amari Cooper and maybe even since Amari Cooper in 2020-ish or something because he does he did seem to lose a step in his time here, um, and so that just opens up everything and 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 you can truly attack defenses horizontally and vertically and I don't think they've had that ability the last couple of years they've just been too they've been too plotting no, certainly not last year they just felt too plotting and they need that ability to stretch the field in both directions and if they can do that I think it opens up things for the running game and then they become a two-headed monster that's really hard really really hard to defend yeah I, I want to add one more thing because we haven't talked about him um, and I would classify maybe uh, Kevante Turpin in the d- disappointment category if I didn't already have lower expectations for him, which is why mm-hmm. I haven't said, mm-hmm. haven't mentioned him. Um, it doesn't, it's not lost on me. The fact that he was just completely invisible in the, in the offense last year. And I don't think that that is something that's just going to magically improve. Maybe, you know, maybe he's one mm-hmm. of the, one of the num- num- number of guys that could, Emerge. That's certainly a possibility, but I'll tell you, this fan is not expecting that. I think there are mm-hmm. some real reasons why Turpin was not part of a, a of an offense that really was just starving for anything from receiver wise. So I mean, and he couldn't make really uh, make a place then. I don't see that happening now. With suddenly with the Cowboys much stronger at wide receiver. So I don't know. I think that the Turpin, the the the. It's we're going to start to lose our luster for uh, Kawante Turpin, and I don't know. It just it just phase out. He'll he'll do his thing in the return game, but then I don't know. I don't see anything on the offense side. Like, unless you do, you see things differently, Raps. 
No, I think I think you're right. I think that, that there's going to be an equation, right? So is there somebody else who can give us a certain percentage of what he gives us in the return game, which I think, you know, we recognize with rules changes is a far less significant part of the game than it was 10 years ago. Um, and is there somebody who can give us a lot more upside as a wide receiver? There probably isn't somebody who has his electricity as a returner on the roster. But I guess the question is, if he gives you nothing besides that, is it worth the roster spot? And I think that's something the equation they're going to have to they're going to have to kind of you know figure out. Like could could Jalen Moreno Cropper return punts and, and you know maybe maybe at sixty five percent of Turpin's ability, but give you a lot more. Uh, or to give you more in coverage or do something, do, you know, give you more in other kind of special teams units. Yeah. I, I think, I think his, I think his position on the roster is precarious unless he can contribute either on other special teams units or on, um, on offense to some degree. I mean, just a couple gadget plays, uh, you know, a, a bubble screen and, and, or even a, you know, a jet sweep. He's got to be able to do something. Right. Yeah. Um, speaking of doing something, I think that the Cowboys uh, not only, have an arrow pointing up in terms of the receivers, but last year demonstrated ability to really do something uh, in terms of creativity and variety with the tight end group. So I'll tell you what, why don't we shift gears now and talk about the 2023 tight end room? Yeah. So, you know, it's interesting. I'm, I looked at this group here and I'm trying to figure some things out and kind of wrap my mind around, okay, what are the Cowboys up to? Um, Cause obviously Made a big pick with with the Luke you know, Schoonmaker pick here, but mm-hmm. before we get started, I I just I got a little trivia for you. I know you love it, so <laughs> okay. I want to ask you. So there are sixteen times in Cowboys history that their tight end has had over seven hundred yards receiving. Sixteen times. Okay, I'm gonna tell mm-hmm. you right now, Jason Witten was twelve of them. So I don't okay. I don't know if you find that amazing or you're not surprised not at, at all. At no, all. No, I would have guessed about that. Okay, yeah. but that's I mean it just it just really speaks to just how incredible that guy was, you know. Mm-hmm. But so that leaves four, four unoccupied that we were occupied with uh, other players, and there there are only three players that make up the list with those. And I want you to tell me. I think you can nail them. I I, I would I would bet that Raps can nail this. So. Three players, Rabs, have had over 700 yards receiving in Cowboys history. And I want you to tell me who they are. So there's three guys, and, they, and they've and they had four seasons between them of 750 or more yards. Seven. Is that right? 700. Mm-hmm. Yeah. One guy's done it 700 twice. 700 even. Okay. Well, seven, yeah, more than 700. One guy's done it twice. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Now, I think you can name. I know you can name two of the three. I think you can name two of the three. Well, I mean, so I'm immediately thinking of Jay Novacek has to be on the list. He has to be, absolutely. And so that that feels like that's one of them. That is. Um, trying to think of other guys. So the thing is, like, I'm thinking about guys like, you know, Billy Joe Dupree or whatever, but he didn't use the tight end as much then. So how about Doug Cosby? Got it. You got two of them. Okay. One more left. Dalton Schultz? Got it. Three for three. And, I, oh! and I'll tell you what, Rabs, <laughs> it's funny you mentioned Dupree because I figure, I thought to myself, if there's one player that trips him up, I bet it's Billy Joe Dupree. And you, it almost did. And it, like, you, it crossed your mind. But uh, nope, you got him. Um, but even more so than this, I'll just the top, top eight, uh, Witten's, all of them except one of these receivers makes up that spot. Do you know 
you have a gander of which of those three was is is higher had the highest that, that fall into the top eight i'm gonna guess it's novacek in 95. that's a good guess um and then novacek in 95 is the season that he's on it with 705 yards but it's actually schultz you know is it yeah oh, fascinating so but yeah. if you if you if you narrowed it down to 800 or more only it's all written with one season of dalton schultz and the whole reason that i even brought this up is i wanted to talk about how cowboys first off the cowboys have been very fortunate to have you know jason witten um but you know also dalton schultz is nothing that you know we should have taken for granted too because that you know they, the cowboys have to me they have sent a message saying they value pass catching tight ends and it it wouldn't be something I would think of normally because if you look at it, they always go after tight ends that are that can block. You have to block if you want to be on this team. You got to be mm-hmm. able to block. That there's you have to have some inline ability or because we, we get our hopes up for these space tight ends all the time. And they, you know, come on, you got to block. And of course, that's where you know Scooney fits in. So Cowboys, they got they went out and used a second round pick to get a, a really good athletic tight end. So we got him four years. Uh, you got Jake Ferguson, who's came off a really strong rookie season. Uh, and you know, so we got him on the, under contract three more years. Same is true for the undrafted free agent, uh, Peyton Hendershot. And then, of course, uh, got Sean McKeon, who honestly, to me, you know, he's, not, he's an afterthought, but he's also not terrible. You know, talk about an inline blocker, too. You know, mm-hmm. he's, he's rosterable. He's a good player. I mean, to me, I feel like they got a really good group. And, of course, they got some undrafted guys with, you know, you know, Princeton fan, which is no offense. You know, he's related to no offense. And, mm-hmm. um, and uh, so first question, all these groups, everybody's on the board. Who do you think is most likely to break out from this group? To break out to, from to, this group. Who's going to be the best one? That's really because uh, none of them have broken out. So who's going to be the guy? This this season I'm talking about. I think it's Ferguson. I think it's Ferguson and I, a couple of reasons. I think that learning how to handle the rigors of the NFL inline blocking is something that you takes a couple of years for guys to get strong on it. Look at Schultz. I mean, Schultz came like, like all these guys have from one of the few college programs, as we've talked about, that has a pro style running game that uses an inline wide tight end who blocks down wide receivers a lot, you know, so those, they're used to those, those matchups are used to those techniques and it still takes them a couple of years to get the strength to be able to do that. I think, and I think the other thing about that is Schoonmaker, as much as we like him does have a history of getting dinged up and, you know, he's, he's been walking around in a boot. I, I just wonder if his, if his, um, if he's, if his development is going to be limited a little bit because he's going to be, you know, in and out with Knicks and mm-hmm. then things like that. So I, I, if, if not, if he stays healthy, I think he'll emerge as a starter by the end of the year. But I think because it, th- there's a question around that, I, for me, I saw enough from Jake Ferguson that I think he can take another step forward and really be the guy this year. Yeah. So I'm going to say Ferguson this year with Schoonmaker, maybe even taking over a quasi starting role by the end of the year and being the dude next year. Yeah, no, I totally agree. I mean, I'm, I really like Jake Ferguson. I, I think, you know, if you look at what he did last season and when, even when we did have, you know, a full year of, of Dalton Schultz and uh, I, I think he, he really shows the traits. He, he's very balanced. And that's one thing, you know, that mm-hmm. we can you know, you can say about a lot of tight ends. The Cowboys, they, 
you know, they find these guys and they're not like su superstars in college by any means. If you look at like Dalton Schultz, for example, you know, he's just, he's a blocking guy. That's how he was used in the system. But then as it turns out, he's, he's not bad at that, you know, catching passes and moving the sticks. And, and that's what I see in Jake Ferguson too. And I think if he's a, mm -hmm. a solid blocker and um, I think there's a lot of traits that make Ferguson, um, you know, actually a, a guy who can kind of maybe start to wiggle his way up to these, these numbers that, uh, you know, that these other tight ends, Cowboy tight ends have done before. So totally love your pick, um, Rabs. But I started to get a sense is, is, is Scooney, is, is he going to be your disappointment pick? That's an, that's interesting. I'm actually going to go in a different direction just, you know, cause I like to do that. I, I like to zig when people are zagging, you know me. <laughs> um, I'm actually going to say Peyton Hendershot. And I'm going to say that because, you know, I mean, the dude only made, what, what do you have, like seven catches last year? I mean, he didn't do a lot, but but I think partially because the expectations were so low, right? This is the sort of opposite of the of the Cooks issue that we talked about earlier. But because expectations were so low and he made some plays and actually showed some athleticism and some suddenness, people were like, oh, this guy's great. And, they, and I think that people are expecting this to, him to just go upward with a bullet. And, um, you know, there's a reason he was an undrafted free agent. There's a reason why uh, he only got seven receptions last year, you know, it, it's, it's entirely likely that he's just a dude. He's Tony Curtis, that guy that they had as a third tight end. And, you know, in the early Romo era, he's, he, it's possible. He's just a dude. It's possible. He's a down the seam terror, but I think that people are kind of assuming he's going to be the, um, uh, the, you know, like the Aaron Hernandez to, to Schoonmaker's Gronk or something. So they're going to have this sort of like, you know, New England, you know, uh, twin tight end, terror tight end situation. And I think we have to really tap the brakes on that. So I, I'm only going to say that because I think people have unreasonably high expectations for Hendershot. I think he'll make the team. I think he's a really athletic guy. I, I'm rooting for him. But I think given where people think he's going to go, it wouldn't surprise me if he just has another season kind of like the one he had last year. Right. No, I, ex excellent choice, Brad. I think they... You know, I agree with everything you said there. I, I'm kind of the same way. Like, I do like Hendershot. He's he's fun to watch. And it's, he still surprised me and exceeded my expectations for the, you know, the way he played. And I thought he was 100%. started being l less mistake prone as the season progressed. And, you know, and I was a little worried that that could get him off the field early on. But, you know, I think he did a really good job, solid rookie season. But at the same time, yeah, I'm, I'm not like thinking this guy is going to be the next Blake Jarwin or something. And uh, so I, I definitely, I, I like your choice. To me, I still think because of the reasons you already said, Scooney, it just, he kind of mm -hmm. could be mm -hmm. that guy that ends up disappointing us the most because, I mean, the Cowboys, they invested a second round pick. So anytime you do that, you're already under the microscope as far as people have had those expe expectations on you. So, I mean, we're going to, he's going to be subject to, crit to criticism if he is, for whatever reason, delayed in his, you know, progress and not on the field right away and things like that. He's, and so people are definitely going to uh, be coming after him. So I, I do think he's a high target for someone to disappoint. Um, but collectively with this group, give me your confidence rate. I mean, are you, are you a bottom of the barrel brimming over or somewhere in the middle? Where, where are you at with these guys? I think I'm somewhere in the middle. Um, I like the group. I think we, we talked about the beginning. There's a, there's a lot of, um, there's a lot of wealth here, right? In this room, there's a lot of riches that can be exploited, but uh, we haven't seen any, any of it 
Like we haven't seen anybody be that sort of day in day out Dalton Schultz kind of tight end. We think we think that Ferguson can do it, and frankly, the Cowboys think that, or they probably would have found a way to re-sign Schultz. Clearly, they didn't want to. They wanted to move on, and they thought they liked they liked the room, and maybe they wanted somebody who was a better blocker. I think you very rightly pointed out that Schoonmacher is probably a better uh, inline wide blocker than Schultz is, and certainly his upside in that regard is higher. Um. So I'm going to say it's it's 50-50, but for me it's 50-50 pointing in the in the in the right direction, yeah. right? It's, it's I I have confidence in it, but for me to to like you know place a bet, I need to see more from the group. Right. No, I, I mean I, I I like where you're at here too. I was leaning in between 50-50 and and high, but I'm mm-hmm. actually That's but I'm too. actually yeah. drawn back more towards the 50-50. And the only reason I'm saying this is this is an incredibly young group. This is a young group. You know, and we, we, we have to expect, you know, Schoonmaker to have some, you know, he's, he's there's some things he's going to have to learn mentally to be ready to, to really contribute. And the other guys are young, too. And and if if, if any time away from puts more on the young guys because they don't have Dalton Schultz this time around, and, you know, it could put a little pressure on those guys, too. So I think that I'm excited about this group, but I'm still kind of, you know, in the middle right now because they they got to they're going to have to go out there and show they can do it and uh before we can really get too excited about this group well well, let me ask you a question does the fact that um we have a fullback who could conceivably be added to that group in hunter lupke uh who who's a player that you know in the pre-death process i absolutely loved i i i thought he was a really fun player um and i think you know he seems to be actually a little bit more of a kind of H back than he is a running back or a tight end. But, but I, I think when they, when, if he does going to, if he's going to make the roster, when it comes down to it, he's probably going to be in that sort of like 250 pound move tight end slash fullback category. So I think in some ways it helps for us to even think about him as a tight end. We very intentionally didn't talk about him last week. when We talked about running backs. Does he change your calculus of this room in any way? If we, if we if we lump this kind of fullback in with the tight end, as they oftentimes do when it comes time for cutdowns, it doesn't. But I'm I'm glad you brought him up um, because certainly he's somebody that you know he's a very athletic player, and you know you, d- depending on what the, the Cowboys' offense looks like, and and if, does McCarthy go back to like the John Coon type? You know, if if he's using that type of player. Uh, certainly, there is. Uh, I mean, he could he could be end up being the biggest surprise for sure uh, from this group. But similar to like Cavante Turpin, I just kind of I have my expectations tempered mm-hmm. on this because mm-hmm. what was it the guy who moved who was like pulling a truck was it like Nick Ralston or something? I remember we got excited about him and we're thinking, okay, you know he this, he's going to be really fun to. I've lost a fullback. <laughs> <Nope>. <laughs> and so I mean, certainly mm-hmm. uh, you know Lumpke could be different, and, and I think that. Um, I'm excited to watch him in camp and uh, and sit there next to you and evaluate the guy, but I'm certainly definitely not holding my breath for that. But for sure, I am glad that you brought him up because you know he he's a guy and he could he could be something. And and same goes with uh, Princeton, you know, Fant too. I mean, there's there's some players that you know because who saw, who saw Hendershot coming last year? And That's right. So. Honestly, I think that the person whose whose job is most in jeopardy uh, from the Princeton fans and Hunter Lupke's of the world is probably Sean McKee. I think yeah. that you know he he's he's 
scheduled to make over a million. He's probably the fourth tight end. He he may be the most versatile. He can do a lot of different things, but I'm not sure he does any of them well enough. And I think each of these guys probably does a couple things better than he does. So he's the one I think is is the, is on the thinnest roster ice. Uh, speaking of rosters and roster ice, I think one thing we should should probably do is for both of these rooms, take a look ahead to next year. What what are, what is the what do the wide receiver and tight end rooms look like going forward? Well, starting with wide receiver, I think that I don't expect things to look a whole lot different because you have basically three good receivers under contract for the next couple of years. And I mean, mm-hmm. so and both of, as it stands now, all three of them are scheduled to make, you know, 10 plus million per year. Uh, so of course, you know, CD will get, probably get his, a new deal without a lower the cap. But, um, I think the real question when it comes to receiver, at least from my perspective is what it's going to look like in 2025. And that's, Mm-hmm. You know, what can we see from Jalen Tolbert? Is he going to be part of the future? Is Michael Gallup progressing like we expected to where they don't have to get out of his contract? Um, and of course, I expect them to, to ultimately move on from Brandon Cook. So I don't ex- to answer the, the question receiver, not much different other than we're probably going to find out about a young guy who's part of the mix now. Um, outside of that, very similar. But then the, the real questions happen the following year when, you know, there's a lot of different um elements that come into play so that's my thought with receiver you see that any different no i agree and i and i, and I think actually you know we talked about a little bit before we started recording that there's actually a lot of similar continuity in the tight end room and that one of the things i think other than of course the, the aforementioned sean mckean um i think one of the things that we we sort of noted was that interestingly enough no wide receiver or tight end contracts ex- at least other than mckean expire next off season so the cow and, and as we said i think last week the quarterback contracts all are going to at least carry over for the next two years so the cowboys are going to get two years of of quarterback wide receiver continuity i i guess the question for me before we before we wrap up here my good friend and doctor in cowboysology do you think what do you think the likelihood is that they'll draft a receiver high next year in anticipation of the fact that it looks like the following year, some contracts might be expiring? Well, I think the visits, the the, the likeliness of us seeing some visitors on the list is high. Um, but mm-hmm. as we have learned, and we should never forget the Cowboys, they don't get boxed in the corner when it comes to the draft. They will, you know, they'll let things come to them and make choices because we all thought they were going to get, a top receiver this year and then you know, look what happened. And it's like, so I think that was surprising to a lot of mm-hmm. us. Uh, and, and the fact that we also have, you know, cooks under contract for another season. And, uh, you know, it, I don't think so. I guess it's, uh, it's not something that I would say is high on my list, but shifting over to tight end real quick. I mean, we talked about, these are just a bunch of young guys. If there's anything that's going to look different, it could be just maybe trying to bring a veteran in and give him a little bit of somebody like, you know, I look at the McKeon contract and think of, well, you know what, like you talked about, um, you know, Hunter or Princeton could bump them off because you got bet- more player control, you know, if they can show that they can um, secure the edge, but if they can't and there's and their Cowboys are having any sort of problem, they want a, a someone a little more proven. You could get some type of veteran type tight end that can come in. And that's, that's the only thing I could see looking different with that group. I, but outside of that, I really think both the receivers and the, and the tight ends we've discussed, I really think this is this is going to be the Cowboys for the next, you know, couple of years. 
at a minimum and with, with, with some small little breakouts here and there. But I really think, well, this is, we should get used to seeing these, uh, these guys. I, I agree 100%. Yeah. But that is all the time we have for today. Thank you for joining us on our little position break breakdown that we had. If you haven't yet, please do subscribe to the blog and voice podcast network. Leave us a rating, write a review, wherever you get your podcast, Apple, Spotify, iTunes, or Stitcher. Tell us what you think, anything you'd like us to do differently to improve your podcast listening experience. And if you ever want to talk to us about anything at all, any Cowboys hot topics, you know, players that you're excited about, or what is your favorite piece of technology, you can hit us up on Twitter. I'm at DannyPhantom24, and Rabs is at RabbleRouser, spelled R-A-B-B-L-E-R-O-U-S-R. And don't forget to check out all the great podcasts throughout the entire week. Every day we got something new for you. Tomorrow we'll have the world's team with Meg Murray and Paul Stewart. So make sure to check that out. But that's all we have for today. Thanks for hanging out with us. Hope you have a great weekend. Stay safe, stay happy, stay true to the silver and blue. And we will catch you later. Last dismissed.